This season of Real History is brought to you by the Real History patrons. Join now to support the show at patreon.com slash realhistorypodcast. Welcome to Real History, shows what you know about history. On this podcast, we talk about historical movies and television, anything that claims to be based on a true story, and we check how bad did they mess it up? What was life actually like during that time period? Well, that's why we're here, to separate the real history from the real history. My name is Jacob Burrows, and I don't know anything about history. And good evening, everyone. I'm Michael Tynan, and to quote the famous pirate Black Bart Roberts, it's a merry life for me, but a short one. Ooh. Uh, my name is Mark, and I am full of brownies. Excellent. So, <laughs> guys, we're talking about pirates of the Caribbean. Finally! Finally! <laughs> so, I mean, there's zombies in this one. Let's be, let's be real. So this film does have ghouls and goblins and, and all sorts of supernaturalities in it, but we are doing it. I feel, have we done this before? Well, like, that, like I did not expect that. So I had never seen this movie from yeah. start to finish. I'd only ever seen like parts of it just on TV sort of like in passing because it's you know like it's obviously a famous film or whatever and uh when the when the whole supernatural bit hit i i, I just did not see that coming at all it was such a massive swerve i was like what is this about at all like you know i was so i was so confused it's yeah. brilliant when i actually only watched it last night again to refresh the memory and when you see them actually the pirates the cursed crew of uh, captain barbosa walking underground yeah, yeah it's uh, a good it through yeah. the sea yeah, to go cool. and attack the ship and they're all just skeletons and hideousness it's absolutely brilliant yeah. but even and the cgi i will say because this film is 20 years old yeah. this year uh it came out in 2003 so this the cgi has held up surprisingly yeah, it does well, look, it does look I mean? good i watched it on disney plus and it it did look good yeah I, yeah. I, I'm surprised it's that old. Actually. I'm surprised you uh, were able to not absorb more through osmosis. This film, I I love this film. I think it's all, almost a perfect film. Like it's obviously not the best film, but for what it set sets out to do, it wants to be a kind of yeah, an adventure, a swashbuckling yeah. like trapes across the Caribbean. They manage to hit a bunch of different like exciting events, and the characters are pretty good and pretty fun to watch as well. Um, but yeah, do you want to go into more on when the, I mean, it's a very famous movie, right? Like it's spawned yeah, massive, it massive is. Yeah, I almost feel like I'm doing the, the yeah. audience a disservice by <laughs> telling them about this film, but, uh, it is the curse of the black pearl. I'll be very clear on that because there is obviously five of these films and, uh, at least frankly, and, uh, I think that's sort of what yeah. soured me on it. That's why I thought it was going to be bad because my yeah. understanding was that the, the whole franchise had a bad, has a sort of bad a bad reputation, name. Yeah. But that's probably just the sequels aren't as good, right? That's um, it. Yeah, well, like, yeah, it, I, so. I, I suppose it, that's, that's, there's a lot of hit and miss. So, like, for example, The Curse of the Black Pearl, the first one that was, came out, it has, like, an 80% rating on Those Rotten really Tomatoes. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. like, it is a, de- a very good action movie. And yeah. I'm like Jacob, I watched this, you know, at a for- during my formative years. And I fell in love with it straight away, you know. I don't think there had been many pirate films outside of Peter Pan and that for a few I, years before. Not a long time, I wouldn't have thought. I actually yeah. am a big, like, I'm a fan of pirates. Like, if I had to pick, <laughs> if this was like 2006 internet and I had to pick between robots, pirates and ninjas like we had to do back in the day, I probably would yeah. go with pirates because they, this was a big part of it. I guess there was m- 
Muppet's Treasure Island was another one with yeah, pirates. A classic. And great songs. We'll do that one next season. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> there's one called like Skull Island or some nonsense oh, yeah. like yeah, that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah, but yeah. I don't remember that as being very good. Like this was the hit and it's, you know, based on a ride at Disney, I guess, technically. Yeah, so. that's it. It was an amusement park ride. Uh, that was the concept. And like, obviously, and that kind of rings true because they did make the five films out of this and like, I think the lowest rated one is 30%. So you're going from a high 80%. So you're saying it's like a roller coaster up and down. It does. And like some of them, if I remember, like are like three hours long and stuff. And it's just far too much. Like, you know, no one, life's too short. Very sorry, uh, Gore Verbinski and Jerry Bruckheimer. But no, I can't watch all of them. Any faces we might (laughs) recognize from other episodes of Real History in this one, Michael? There is, yeah. There's a lot of a lot a lot of people in this. So obviously we've got Johnny Depp as Captain Jack Sparrow, who Depending on who you're talking to, he, you know, he seems to have said that it, he, he's based the character on a mashup between uh, Keith Richards, the Rolling Stones, and Calico Jack uh, Rackham, who mm. was actually a famous pirate of the Car- Caribbean, the golden age of piracy. So um, there is a, a few similarities there in the character as well when I when I looked into that guy, you know, in terms of how he dressed and stuff like that. Um, then you've got Jeffrey Rush, who is brilliant in nearly everything he does. He's Captain Barbosa. Mm, mm. Um, He's very good. Yeah. And then Mark's favourite, Orlando Bloom. He makes an appearance. So what did you make of him in, in this, Mark? I mean, he's better in this than Kingdom of Heaven. That's probably just because this is a better film. He's not necessarily good but what do you think yeah I, like it's it's fairly um he's essentially playing the straight man to yeah. jack sparrow um and he, like it's it's not it's not that there's anything wrong with the character or whatever but, but like that that could have been any actor like you could you could have done that i thought it was you. funny and i was thinking of this last night when i was watching the film he's a blacksmith again yeah yeah, you know, just true. like of course, Kingdom yeah. of Heaven, yeah. and there's a scene in the they film. They do that, don't they? Just that's uh, a blacksmith. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, as, if, as if that's actually, like a super common trade. Like that's a high skill. I'm sorry. I I think we uh, maybe I should have done this first, but I have a one sentence summary for y'all. Uh, oh, if you it, haven't welcome. seen it, um, it's this: a blacksmith. That's the first word there. A blacksmith and a pirate captain adventure their way across the Caribbean to rescue the kidnapped governor's daughter and defeat an infamous pirate captain whose crew are cursed to live forever as the undead, all while searching <laughs> for the legendary treasure which holds the key to lifting their curse. Absolutely. Yeah. And there was actually a similarity. I was thinking when I was watching it was that um, if you remember in Kingdom of Heaven, he is a blacksmith that goes to the Holy Land. Yeah. And he walks into a military council and tells them all how to run their armies, if you remember correctly, with his vast experience. (laughs) And in this film last night, when Keira Knightley's character, uh, Elizabeth Swan, is kidnapped by um, the pirates. He tries to do the same. He does the exact same thing. He walks into a military council and he's like, this is how you got to save her. This is how we're going to do it. And everyone's just like, no, no, you have no military experience. And he runs off with Captain Jack Sparrow in the end anyway, you know? Yeah. Uh, but no, uh, all around a great cast and the dialogue. I love the dialogue and the jokes in this and the humor. And there's and a lot of like the adventure, the, the the kind of physical, not slapstick, but like, you know, jumping, running around, yeah. swinging between ships. Like it's all good stuff and ties into the it's very, It's very, uh, it's very, just very Disney. Like it's, yeah. it's just, it, and I mean that in the best way possible. Like it's just good fun. Mm. I think yeah, uh, like if you remember Gibbs in the movie, 
Yeah. I think he's my favorite. Gibbs is good. Gibbs is kind of the fella His who second he, mate? Yeah, oh, his, yeah, 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 or his yeah, first, yeah, first yeah, mate, I guess, yeah, yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I know the guy you're talking about. Yeah. He throws a bucket of water <laughs> yeah. over him to yeah. wake him up yeah, when yeah, he yeah. finds him in Tortuga, I think, or yeah. something like that, you know. He, he he stays with you. There's a lot of these characters, and Mackenzie Crooks is in it as well. That's right, yeah. Um, who's uh, played Garrett in The Office, if anybody's very old oh, like us, yeah. you know, um, many years ago. So, no, all around, uh, really great um Oh, yeah, really I didn't cast, even realise yeah. that's... I didn't even put that together yeah. that that's Mackenzie. Like that, I, that didn't connect for me and, at all. And that would have been right around the time the office finished, right? The original. Yeah, yeah. He so was on a good run. That's a decent yeah. run. Yeah. 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 Um. But yeah, no. Like I said, I love pirates. It's probably a large part due to this, but also mm-hmm. like I would have played a video game, Sid Meier's Pirates. There's an yeah. old Sid Meier's Pirates. Yeah, I yeah. played a new yeah. one, but you actually like do naval combat and learn about the different ship types and get really oh, into sloops and yes, galleys all about the sloops yeah. uh, so is the guy the civilization that's him isn't it yeah yeah no it's it's a great game but also like the one of the most memorable tabletop role playing game campaigns i ever played was a pirate themed one that i was leading and it was like as the second pirates of the caribbean was coming out so we oh, were playing wow. it through the week went to see the movie like we were playing it every day cuz we're on our summer holidays went to see the movie nice. kept playing it but incorporating stuff from the second one i wrote a draft for a children's book about pirates i'm big wow. into pirates okay. um <laughs> yeah. do i know anything about them uh, a little bit but i think you do i think you do Jack. yeah well as you've probably guessed well yeah there's maybe a connection to jack rackham with captain jack but like we're not talking about the specifics of this movie as you can probably tell from the title we're talking about the golden age of piracy we're talking about pirates of the caribbean like that's yeah. the name of the film that is what we're talking about here that whole concept because obviously it's as big of a archetype cultural thing as like vikings or samurai and we want to break down the real history behind that so to give you an idea um, why you would become a pirate yeah. whether you wanted to or not big question you know <laughs> i did incidentally uh, i thought it was interesting apparently jack sparrow's character was originally written for hugh jackman i don't know <laughs> really? what you all i think he probably would have done a decent job he has a similar sort of Charm. Well, yeah, like, well, Hugh, Hugh, Hugh Jackman has got a a very theatrical sort of. He does musicals and stuff, I guess. So he, I could see it. But I, this must be the only character that Johnny Depp has played multiple times, right? I it's the only character he's played since, essentially. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. This made him all his money. Like, they gave him ridiculous amounts of cash. I think now this he, is like Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man. They just keep giving. Yeah. Him money to do yeah i mean the, he's, he's run into some other things now that may maybe i don't know if they're making another pirates movie but we'll save that for the patreon <laughs> patreon.com slash uh real history podcast and we'll take legal advice before we say anything yeah on that. but we'll i guess we should start out with uh just briefly going over piracy because obviously that is a much broader concept vikings were pirates etc yeah. uh, do you have anything to go into on that I'm disinclined to acquiesce to your request mm, to quote no. the film, but I yeah. know uh, I will. I will. Uh, I have a few bits and pieces here. I loved it. I endlessly quotable this film. As oh you know. yeah. Well, I suppose like piracy isn't something new, and it didn't spring up in the Caribbean either. Uh, it wasn't the first place it appeared. Like it has existed for as long as boats. Like I assume. Yeah. yeah. I, I, as long as it, it's all. A, it, it. I suppose it, it's. It has always existed as long as the conditions which allow it to kind of flourish exist. Mm. And because of that, it's obviously 
existed since you said since the since people discovered how to craft a boat all the way up to the modern day um it sort of ebbed and flowed as well and i suppose from reading about it it flourishes in what i describe as like the, the cracks between different air between empires mm. those little areas of division where lawlessness is allowed to kind of uh, take hold so like a sudden discovery of a whole new broad big land that has a lot of riches is is ripe for that right absolutely or in the middle of a war for mm. example so like it's it's a global problem we're obviously concentrating today on the caribbean uh, but like there was great pirate fleets uh, of the South China Sea, which uh, I hope in a, one of our top five episodes we'll be going into a little bit about. Uh, but Vikings were pirates. Like We kind of don't think of them as pirates, but mm. that's exactly what they were doing. Um, we had corsairs, or corsairs in the Mediterranean who kind of had a bit of a religious zeal to them in the, between the 14th and the 19th century. Like The Knights Templars were pirates. Uh, the Ottomans, the Barbary States... Uh, even in Ireland, it was a hotbed of piracy. I, d- I didn't really realise oh, we, we this. We loved a bit of piracy in Ireland, yeah. Exactly, and we were we were famous for it, you know. Uh, f- even St. Patrick himself, didn't he arrive on, on the island? Sure, he, was, yeah. he, was, he was stolen by a pirate. By an Irish pirate, yeah. so, and had to stay he, here for he, six years, God bless him. Like Ro- you, Jacob, nearly nearly six years. The Roman, yeah. the Roman word, the Latin word for the Irish, like from the time of the Roman Empire, basically means pirate. That's that. That's how common it was. So when the when the Romans were in Britain, one of their principal concerns was pirate raids from Ireland. Yeah. That's what Scotty I. That's where Scotland comes from. That's what that means, pirate. Right. So yeah, we, we, so we've been at it for a while. But like. to be honest, the the Romans weren't you know averse to just generalizing anything beyond their borders. Anything that as wasn't barbarians Roman, yeah. or yeah. pirates or yeah. Britons. They're all pirates or, over yeah. there. All of those fellas. <laughs> Every one uh, of them. <laughs> and speaking of the Romans, there I I suppose one famous incidents of, of piracy from history we went into in another episode before was when julius caesar was himself kidnapped taken, by pirates kidnapped by pirates yeah. famously and demanded a massive ransom uh, he was actually embarrassed by the amount the pirates who captured him asked for in a too ransom low, yeah. so he said they were lowballing too much he thought he was worth way more so demanded <laughs> far more of a ransom and famously uh then returned and killed all the pirates. Yeah. Um, but yeah, piracy has sprung up throughout history. Uh, for example, it was so bad in 67 BC uh, in the Mediterranean world that uh, the port of Ostia, which is the, the main port of Rome, um, was attacked by pirates. And this prompted the Senate at the time to um, invest in Pompey the Great, our old pal, mm. the power to basically... Uh, become the warden of land and sea which meant that he had control over um all the mediterranean ocean and a hundred kilometers inland or something and he was tasked with cleaning up the pirates problem and he did in fairness to him in three months apparently you know the pirates of the mediterranean is a much shorter film is what you're saying exactly oh what i did not getting off topic too much but he was very clever because you know the way he got rid of them was he just gave them all land yeah and he was like these are new towns now you protect the coast and stay loyal to me and i mean that kind of ties into like in pirates of the caribbean they don't really get into it but the whole dynamics of this th- these places are very tied to 
the nations that are operating there or the empires that mm. are operating there. Yeah. And, you know, pe- people are granted favor from one ruler, you know, after being a pirate, before being a pirate. This is the term privateer, right? Mark, mm-hmm. do you want to... I, I think we're going to just explain lay bare what are the differences between some of these terms and people. Yeah, so so a, pri- a privateer is... A, a, like, what they were, essentially, was a, uh, a legal pirate. So... um. A privateer would be somebody who would be granted permission by a central authority, so the crown of Spain or the crown of England or whatever, to actually carry out pirate-like attacks. Um, there was some like criteria. Uh, so, for example, with regards to, to Britain, uh, a privateer would carry something that's called a letter of mark, and the letter of mark basically was a commission. And yeah. you were commissioned either by the naval, uh, the naval authority, the admiralty, or the crown itself. And uh, you were you were you were essentially sanctioned, and uh, you were basically allowed attack shipping that wasn't native shipping. So that was that sort of became a bit of a problem in 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 England, as you might imagine, because in in the period between like the the fifteen hundreds, say to the to the eighteen hundreds, there was a lot of change over who the king was or who the queen yeah. was, right? So there was a lot. <laughs> so, so there was a problem. So it was actually eventually changed. They they changed it so that you you were sworn to the island of Britain rather than the crown. That's because they were just like, well, who <laughs> even is the king? The, you know what I mean? As soon as they switched them out, let's go a raiding. We've got yeah. that's not who signed. That's not who signs my paycheck. <laughs> yeah, that, that's literally what happened. So a privateer would become a pirate if the government yeah. changed. You know what I mean? So that's that's a problem. Like, and, and, it's actually and, a great tactic to stay in power. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And, and it was, so because it was it was quite vague and I as you can imagine a privateer like did they always stick to what they were supposed to do no they had to give collateral for example like you had to you had to actually like put down collateral in in order to be given a commission as a privateer you weren't there was all the rules like you weren't allowed to capture ships because anything you captured technically all was owed to the owed to the crown or owed mm-hmm. to the admiralty and sometimes you would have privateers some who worked directly for the crown and some who worked for the admiralty and sometimes they would attack the same ships or they would attempt it you know so you'd saw you'd see rivalries and that would obviously give rise to sort of extra legal activities or kind of you know uh, murders or assaults or people would steal each other's ships and all of that kind of stuff but it was used uh, by governments as a as sort of a proxy war uh, uh, tool against other against other groups. Yeah. So I'd quoted uh, that in the one of the books I read that it was that rayfish instrument of foreign policy, the privateer. Mm. Yeah. So basically, it was used as a way of um, almost plausible deniability, you know, between nations. Yeah. yeah. So and it, the whole thing became it became really really vague. So in fi- in fifteen thirty six in 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 Britain, it was the offences again, the offences at sea act. And that's sort of what outlawed piracy. But right. it outlawed it as treason, which basically meant if you were caught as a pirate, you could just be killed. Yeah. So you can which imagine... I, guess, I mean, that's kind of the the impression we have from popular culture that that's yes. always been the case. But yeah, 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 they had to think of it first. It's literally a law. law. Yeah, yeah, it's literally put into law. But between 1536 and like sort of 1717, there's this vague kind of like, you could just accuse somebody of being a pirate. You know what I mean? And that kind of like a, a privateer of being a pirate. And that sort of thing... Um, happened uh, often and and like I was saying with the, with the crown uh, changing hands different families or different different noblemen becoming the chief admiral people would fall in and out of favor and that that would have driven people to piracy yeah um you will have had people who started off as privateers or who started off as the crew of a private privateer ship 
whose captain was then suddenly outlawed and you find yourself on some island in the Caribbean and somebody else goes, you've got experience on, on ships, but I'm actually a pirate, but do you want to come and make some money in Havana? Or whatever it might be. Yeah. You're kind of going to go, well, if I go home to England, I could be hanged. So I'm just going to hang around here instead. You until know? I'm pardoned. Until yeah. I'm pardoned, yeah. <laughs> so that, or until, until the king, the last king's brother comes back and retakes the throne and then we're fine. Yeah. You, know? <laughs> you know, so there was a lot of that kind of, a lot of that kind of stuff went on. But like in, in later centuries, like famously in the, in the, Michael mentioned in the Mediterranean, the, the Barbary states. So that's the states that are in North Africa, the, Ma- the Maghreb. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, they were called the Barbary states because, uh, or part of the reason they're called the Barbary states is because they carried out uh, attack uh, attacks on shipping to the extent that uh, the caliph, who would have been the, the sultan of the, the Ottoman Empire, sitting there in Istanbul, and it was sort of legalized by him with a nod, nod and a wink, with the proviso that they would only attack Christian shipping. Okay, so, so there was tons of piracy going on in the Mediterranean, and this got really, really severe uh, uh, when U.S. shipping was was being targeted. So, because they figured, what are the Americans going to do about it? They haven't got a navy. Like, so we'll just keep attacking it. It's a new, it's a new country, the U.S. You know, so they kept attacking it until eventually uh, the the U.S. did do something about it. So President Jefferson, Thomas Jefferson, the third president, he he essentially created a military force to go and attack the the Barbary states, where they landed a force from the sea on and, and like bombed or like shelled Tripoli mm. and attacked them. And that's where the U.S. Marines came from. That's why they were. That's how they were created. That's why they carry curved swords. They're the curved swords of the of the. Of the, the Corsair, the Corsair of, sword, yeah. yeah. So that's that's why they, that's why a Marine officer carries a, a North African sword. Interesting, because what is a Corsair? It just means they're in the Mediterranean and they are. Do we have? Do we know this? Yeah, like it, it, it is essentially a privateer, but yeah. it can It gives. There's it kind of is more associated with um the Mediterranean in particular, and in particular with um the Ottoman Empire and. Um, the Knights Templars and protecting pilgrim routes and all this type of thing. Mm. Like they kind of, they used religion to give themselves an air of legitimacy yeah. that they were protecting things, but it was really just piracy. They were just yeah. pirates. Though. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, <laughs> it comes uh, just from the French, guerre de course. So it's like a, a, a raider of commerce. This type of thing, you know? Well, uh, I have to say, I'm getting getting a bit antsy here with all this ancient history. Like, <laughs> let's let's get to it. We have to start, I think, with maybe the original pirate of the Caribbean, Columbus. Um, he <laughs> arrived in 1492, unless I'm mistaken. Does that sound right to you? And from there, basically, uh, like speaking of claims and mm. countries and mm. empires, Spain and Portugal were obviously the ones arriving in yes. this area of the Americas. And they basically decided within a couple of years of Columbus landing that they should divvy up the world between them with this treaty of uh, Tordesillas or Tordesillas um, in 1494, uh, which gave basically most of the new world to Spain. Uh, but what is now Brazil get, went to Portugal, which is why they speak Portuguese there. It had implications for the East as well, right? Because a lot of the West, or what we would call the West, this, the New World went to Spain, but the Portuguese had kind of rights, in quotes, to other parts of the world. Yeah. They literally like split the world, the unchristian world between them, so they can go and make everyone Christian. This was like, 
ratified by the Pope and so on. So yeah. they thought they had a holy like mandate. Yeah, a mandate, yeah. Um, but interestingly, like because I always got to connect everything to uh, Japanese history, of course, of course. this is why the Portuguese were so active in Japan when no other people were coming there when the country was basically closed because they Macau had and all these areas. Yeah, yeah they yeah. had they were there with the same holy mandate. Uh, so they didn't get as much of a pie in the New World or the West Indies as they became known, but uh, they were going out east th- with it. So this this would be the reason why, like the city in India, Goa has that sort of Portuguese because it must have been a Portuguese sort of trading port because mm. it, apparently the, like the food there is like Portuguese influenced. So you can imagine Portuguese food mixed with Indian food it must be amazing. Yeah, but, but like I, I like I, I've met people who's who are Indian who are from Goa who have a Catholic background. That's mm. that's there, and and it's from it must be from this. You know? Yeah, so it's, yeah. It's, it's interesting. Like. That sounds right, but yeah, like just wanted to mention that because those claims obviously are immediately not disputed exactly, but like all these countries are at war all of the time, all yeah. these European countries. So that is kind of the atmosphere that's set up in the Caribbean, as as you you all are aware. Like I wanted to give an example, if that's okay, yeah. of uh, John Hawkins, who this would have been in. 15 so this is a bit further on obviously but towards 1562 he set out on a series of trips now this is when in like the caribbean they or the spanish had outlawed trading with non-spaniards mm. but he had this bright idea uh called slavery and went and kidnapped hundreds of people in africa and brought them over to sell them um which he did manage to do he was sort of a pioneer i say that with you know, distaste of, yes, of English people getting into the slave trade, the, yeah, the and, slave trade. Yeah. yeah, and the sort of triangle trade of going mm. from Africa to the Caribbean or, or the US yeah. and, oh, well, not the US, but you know what I mean, and then back to Lord Europe Mary, yeah. and so on. So the triangle there, but he, uh, it was so prosperous that Queen Elizabeth granted him a coat of arms that does display an enslaved man on it that's his coat of arms so we can't forget about these aspects as we go on about the fun the fun loving stuff here as well um queen elizabeth she famously called her privateers um gentlemen adventurers that's right (laughs) well this is it like she gets like she becomes pals with so many of these people which is very funny well some of them some of them are, are, are like i mean they're celebrities of the day like francis drake is a celebrity of the day walter raleigh yeah. Like the, the town in North Carolina, that's named after Raleigh. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. it's not like, you know, so the, these guys were favorites of the Queen because they were extraordinary, in her eyes, extraordinary men. I read in one year that privateers made uh, Queen Elizabeth uh, more money than all her estates yeah. and taxes. All the taxes, yeah. Yeah, so, so actually. No wonder she liked them <laughs> so much. Of course. Yeah, speaking of that, like, he went on a couple of these journeys, John Hawkins, and then uh, Queen Elizabeth. Like, he was just attacking ships as well and stealing, <laughs> like, stealing slaves from, I think, Spanish ships, etc. They were mm. not at war at the time, if mm. I remember right. So, uh, Queen Elizabeth just. Uh, basically benched him like stay here so he sent like a relative off instead who just <laughs> fucked it up completely he had to deposit a bunch of people who were supposed to be slaves just for free uh because they they got so they, they didn't do a good job of it basically and i think wait there's a quote that he drake this was drake as you mentioned was a cousin of hawkins he was yeah. on this trip where hawkins wasn't allowed to go because right. the queen had put him like told him to go to his room and Drake recalled the trip uh, with embarrassment, and Hawkins ascribed the failure to the simpleness of his deputies. Uh, but eventually he was allowed to get going again, and basically, like, 
as I said, it was illegal to trade with him and he charmed his way around it before and kind of strong-armed his way around it. But he arrived in the Caribbean and uh, the governor of Rio de la Hacha uh, refused permission to trade. So uh, Sir Francis Drake shot at his house and Hawkins took over the town in a battle before selling the enslaved people. So like the point of it wasn't necessarily to loot. It was to just take over so that they can conduct their business because it's so lucrative. And this is the kind of business tactics we're seeing where piracy is sort of blended with trade, a lot yeah. of politics mixed in. Um, the lines are so blurred in so many respects in this part of the world. I like I liked the description that you gave, Michael, the cracks between where empires are. That's a yeah. great that's a great way of describing it. It's like a name like, of a book. Where, where no one's quite sure where the authority, who has the authority or where it lies. And the authority that does exist is, is hopelessly corrupted. It's kind of like the Wild West, but on the seas. Yeah, you yeah. know, it's yeah, just a good way of putting it. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. 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 So this fellow became anyway treasurer, treasurer of the navy, and enacted <laughs> a bunch of reforms and stuff for for the ships. But Drake and him, yeah. their ship was attacked unexpectedly at one point. They barely got away. Drake swore revenge. Uh, and who is Francis Drake anyway? Like that's one of the names people have heard about. But I, it's a funny one because Drake, Drake is like he, he he's like one of these figures that comes up a lot in the episodes that I, that I always refer to them as culture heroes. Like Fra- Francis Drake is this like great english iconic sea master hero like and he he's one of the i think people think he was the commander of the british navy against the spanish armada but i don't think he actually was the commander i think he was the second or third uh, and appointed sort of by the queen because she just liked him because he had a, this great reputation um but he was a privateer who worked for the crown for the english crown and his basically his job was he was he was uh, assigned to target spanish shipping and he was just enormously successful at this like he was he was like like comically successful he would just capture full ships and this is these are the ships that are carrying gold from the new world yeah. back to spain we're talking millions millions in today's millions money yeah no, in today's this money. isn't like small untold amounts of money yeah. like the bounty that was on his head he, he just him personally just him was eight million if you could bring reliable information to the spanish crown about about drake's whereabouts you would be made for life they would, they would probably give you a title and a, and a castle. like You know, that's how much they wanted this guy. And at the beginning, because the Spanish were so used to having it their own ways, they'd even call, it was called the Spanish Main, yeah. all the that yeah. coast, you yeah. know, along South America, all the way up to, you know, Florida or that. And because of that, they, they, they would send, like, flotillas of treasure ships. Yeah, they were fleets, basically. Fleets. And so they did have... If, like massive galleys that were almost like fortresses they yeah. had towers, towers to protect but still there were so many of them and that they were ripe to be taken advantage of even if you if you just took down one yeah you know it would be equal to half the treasury of an average country for the year like, and this incredible. is incredible this is when they're in the midst of looting like you Absolutely. know ancient civilizations yes. that have all like the oh, like they're, car- ta- they're kind of the most horrific crimes in the history of humanity like at this point like check yeah. out our episode on apocalypto yeah with cortez exactly so stuff. these ships had gold yeah but they had like I, I made a note of one ship that was taken it had gold pearls jade figures but also obviously things like ceremonial costumes uh, mosaic masks, you know, three live jaguars, just the normal yeah. kind of stuff. <laughs> just normal stuff. Yeah. But actually, that's this is a this is a, we won't get too much into it. But the exotic animal trade as yeah, well, I thing, think yeah. that's a big part it's of why thing, yeah. we think of pirates with 
parrots on their shoulders, etc. But we're saving that for a That's Patreon That's Robert thing. Louis Stevenson gave yeah, us all yeah. that as well. Treasure interesting, Island interesting. has a lot to answer for, but, but we love it anyway. <laughs> yeah, there's obviously so many myths that we need to separate from reality. We're going to save some of that for a Patreon. Some, some of that, like, I mean, like, so Drake will be a central figure to... to the, the, the myth about privateering and the adventurous life on sea like he was re- he was referred to but the Spanish called him El Drac the dragon the sea dragon because yeah. he would just appear out of nowhere and, it's like, and he just basically did whatever he wanted and because he had the queen's assent anything he did she would just be like oh yeah that's great even if it was like way outside the realms of privateering he was so successful and so popular that she just let him get away with it it, yeah. it, was, it was just it was like cowboy stuff like this this guy could just do whatever he wanted and he ended up being one of the commanders of the British defence uh, of England when 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 uh, when finally the, the the king of Spain just had enough of England and sent the Spanish <laughs> Armada which famously ran into some bad weather and had a bad time or whatever but the the, the battle a lot of the, the, the victory is attributed to to Drake because of his not using what would be considered sort of gentlemanly naval tactics in a naval battle, he he used essentially pirate tactics, you know, fire ships and like boarding ships in the night and this kind of stuff to try and defeat the Spanish Armada. So, for that reason, he sort of he more than anything, like he was knighted, and and he sort of earned his uh, earned his reputation um, in modern history and sort of getting away with the fact that he was a, he was a career criminal, really. Mm-hmm. You know? So, so a yeah. gentleman thief or a gentleman pirate, sort of, or what did you call it, a gentleman adventurer? That's, that's what queen. she called what him. She, she called, called him. him uh, she called uh, Elizabeth called Francis Jake her pirate. Yes, her pirate. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and that led to Queen Elizabeth being called the Pirate Queen the pirate by queen, some yeah. as well. Yeah, um, we you know, know the real pirate. Ima- queen. Imagine, imagine how hated she would be by the by the Spanish Crown. Like that's that's what her guy is doing. And they had they had a, they have a the Spanish Crown has a, bl- a like a, a blood relative reason to hate her anyway. And a religious reason to hate her because she's a yeah. Protestant or Catholic and whatever. Um, which anyway, I won't get too far into that. Yeah. So I'll end up talking about the war, the Spanish succession, and then <laughs> we don't yeah, really like we're we've we've gone over half an hour already, lads. Oh, so God, there's right, a lot we'll, to get we'll into. We'll rein it in, listeners. It might Sorry. be a little over an hour. This one, <laughs> you'll forgive us. I'm I'm sure. Um, but yeah, this is early pirates, right? Yeah, Around, so that's the 1500s. 1500s, exactly. Yeah. So it's so before. What, Sorry. Yeah. What we call the golden age of piracy yes. is. 15 or sorry 1650 to 1720 yeah. technically speaking i mean but what is it it's just we just call it a golden age it just means there were a lot of them so what leading up to this through the 1500s actually led to this massive influx we've talked a bit about it but i i, I think you had a few yeah, specifics like i suppose there is push and pull factors uh, that are common throughout history for piracy um and it's that's no different for the golden age of piracy mm. in the caribbean as well um so as we've kind of seen, like piracy has existed throughout history. So there's no actual tip atypical pirate out there, uh, but it doesn't mean that they don't share kind of similarities wherever you find them. I suppose so. Uh, in terms of push factors, you know, it was less about uh, a spirit of adventure and more. I suppose what I was reading was that it's more about greed and grievance is probably the easiest way of putting mm. it, you know. And the push factors that are common wherever you look at piracy is poverty. Uh, mm. Surprise, surprise, you know. Um, so whether that's in the North Sea, the Mediterranean, um, the Far East, um, poverty 
kind of an unjust society, like a feudal system where you have no rights, um, endemic warfare, um, all of that is kind of a common ingredient. And that's no different when we're looking at the 16th and the, and the 17th century uh, and piracy, you know. Getting back to kind of what we were talking about, all this gold coming from uh, the new world, as they called it, um, like it did actually have an effect on Europe. Obviously, a lot of people got extremely rich. A lot yeah. of people built on human misery. Uh, but anyway, um, a lot so of people... What else is new? Yeah. A lot I, of people, I, I, the people who are already rich got extraordinarily rich. But, yeah. but it actually, it had an, uh, something we can all relate to now. It had a massive inflationary uh, in, yeah. uh, effect on Europe. So basically, all this money flooding into Europe, um, it made the poor poorer because inflation obviously made led to increase in prices, demand, all that type of thing. And so you were creating a whole underclass of people who had very little stake in society. And that was very much the case for the colonial powers in Europe, whether you're looking at Britain, Spain, Portugal, the Dutch. Uh, it doesn't really matter. It, it had an effect on it, you know. Um, and all this money was obviously being funded by slave plantations and. Um, this vast amount of money coming back every year. But I suppose also the laws that existed in those societies meant that you could be hanged for robbing a pound. Yeah, so you may as well. You may as well. Why not hang for robbing a fortune and you might actually get rich because the world was, there were so many places you could hide out in this yeah. new world. Oops, it was yeah. so unregulated. You might just get away with it, you know? Especially, uh, especially if, you, if you think, if you're like, if you're English, you do that, you get away with it, you become rich, you just move to Spain. They're not going to have a problem with you because you attacked the English. You know, there as you in, as yeah. you attack one interest versus the other. So, I mean, there's always somewhere yeah. to go. You just need to not upset absolutely everyone. Exactly, And yeah. then you'll have someone who's got your back. You got somewhere to go to, yeah. Exactly. Uh, and, like, you can, there was an example I read that, like, the average wage was, like, a pound, say, in, in Britain at the time, a year for the average worker. But someone who, a pirate, was earning, on average, like, between 1,500 and 4,000 pounds a year. Yeah. So think of that in yeah. terms of, yeah. uh, and even just comparing that to how much people were paid in the normal Royal Navy, you know, it, mm. it, it's not surprising that these people like decided that this was something that might be of interest, especially if your life was miserable. Your life's crap Europe. anyway, yeah. yeah. So it's like, well, you risk your life as a pirate, but what is my life anyway? Like, it's miserable, so I might as well go and do that. Like, yeah. Might you have said, a bit of fun. You said push and pull. So the push, do, am I understanding right in that people are kind of pushed into it because they're so poor, but there's also a pull of these circumstances yeah, of exa- enormous riches, for example. E- exactly. Well, you're look, you're hearing all these tales of the new world yeah. as well. And you're like, okay, well, why am I here eat, eating out, living, uh, growing my turnips when I could be over there drinking, you know, Madeira wine and Jamaican rum and hanging out on the beach all day and eating the freshest fruit going <laughs> and, you know, and, and I have no master, you know. So it, you can see the romantic uh, notion that would attract people to it. Mm. Um, but I suppose another thing that really needed to be there, um, and Mark kind of mentioned it earlier when he was talking about the Barbary states in North Africa, is you needed to have that nod and wink culture. 
you know what does that mean you know uh you needed to yeah, have funny, someone to turn a blind it's eye it's funny how like uh, like an irish person says that and the other irish person is just like uh, just in, you need the nod and wink i just culture. intrinsically understand what he means but i like okay, i'm know, glad i'm here to act yeah. as the even though i've been here almost five years uh, acting as the translator uh, the, uh, here. You, you needed corrupt officials oh, to yeah. acquiesce to allow it to take place and obviously the officials in the caribbean miles away from home nobody yeah. has any idea what you know you're doing so you can't prove I did that. You can't prove I took a backhander or someone slipped me a bag of gold or you know. Gave it takes me months to just get any information. Get any information back and yeah. Forth. Well, believe yeah. it or not, in the film now, there's very obviously this is a fantastical film or whatever. But the first half of the film, there is actually some stuff that's of interest to studying pirate yeah. culture and that type of thing. So, for example, when Jack arrives on the dock originally and his uh it, jack, jack sparrow and his uh, i don't know if you remember his ship sinks sinking it's a great water. it's a great yeah. introduction isn't it yeah. it's so well done and he's met by some sort of a customs officer yeah. at the quay yeah. and your man's like oh sign your name here and he's like or just uh, take three shillings and uh, forget the name you know <laughs> so that was actually common and that mm. kind of so it was great to see that in the film because that was absolutely necessary it was it, you needed that to allow p- piracy to flourish and all over the caribbean that actually happened even so much so that i believe george the first made a privateer slash pirate uh, the governor of jamaica eventually you know so this type of thing who better to know what's going on than a yeah. guy who did it himself sort of thing yeah, yeah. it's good isn't it um and that kind of nod and wink culture i suppose or turning a blind culture um that that kind of Oh, like if you were looking for an example of that, you don't really need to go any further than Port Royal in, um, in Jamaica, which mm. is which in, is of course the location that we start out in in Pirates of the Caribbean, right? This is it, and it's a, a pirate lair. Um, incidentally, was destroyed by an earthquake. Um, in the late uh, in the late seventeenth century, I think, or something like that, and everyone said it was God's rat. Because it was so obviously such a den of debauchery or whatever. You know? <laughs> it doesn't look that bad in the film. No, it looks lovely, you know. But uh, the Disney you know, version. People were very judgy back then. You know, mm-hmm. they turned. They didn't like gambling or womanizing or any of that type of stuff. Yeah, it's actually stuff. in the film. It's painted as like the I don't know idyllic version yeah, of it is very much Caribbean like colonialism, and then in contrast to Tortuga that they go to, which is like the pirate like. You know the pit, the yeah. the the depths of of it all. Um, then of scum and villainy. That's the word. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. And and like in terms of more pull factors, like we said, you know the the lure of easy money is mm. very understandable <laughs> for everybody, um, and the fact that you like the opportunity was there because this vast territory existed in the Caribbean and um, along the coast of Mexico and up to Florida. And even up as far, you could argue up as far as Nova Scotia, um, like there was the the navy, the, the the various navies, whether it was the Royal Navy, or um, or the Spanish, or the Portuguese, or the French, like they couldn't hope to patrol every single little island and every little port. So you had the fact that communication was so bad at that time like you know what i mean so you could get you could literally get away with murder fairly easily i suppose (laughs) is the the easiest way of putting it um and then i suppose that one other pull factor like why for example would somebody with a good commission in the royal navy why would they 
maybe decide to become a pirate when the conditions um uh, arose you know and when i was looking into this i suppose it was the money coming back to the money again and it's not really surprising we saw when we looked into far side of the world master, master commander. commander yeah right. sorry yes. name escaped me um we saw how horrible the conditions were on a royal navy ship how strict people were how you'd be whipped you know there was no liberty on on those ships yeah. you know what i mean and you would have been lucky every three months to earn about two pounds whereas the wage for a pirate you know would be five times that the average wage for a sortie for a pirate ship uh to go out and attack a ship they come back with about 10 pounds you know and, a, and, and, and it actually could be anything because you could yeah. just you could just hit upon the perfect opportunity that was possible one time it could just be rolls of cotton or spices yeah. but the next yeah. time it could literally be treasure yeah. you know or indigo rare indigo or something that would literally set you up for life you know so it was those pull factors were immensely powerful you know um but i suppose for me it it the the romantic version is the freedom that it gives and that kind of thing. Was for some, literally, because there would have been former slaves that joined, like they did, like you know, forget about being poor and not affording your turnips. What about just being able to escape slavery and, and join? Yeah. Like, because uh, there is nowhere else you would get, you know, a form of equality. Yeah, yeah, a form of equality because that's the interesting thing where maybe we maybe this is a good time to cut into the the pirate code and things like that yeah, which yeah. is referenced a lot in the film i i correct me if i'm wrong michael but i wouldn't say there's like one pirate code it's rather that on each ship they would kind of decide the articles of that ship like the rules house rules the house rules of that yeah, ship house because rules. they would most often to my understanding elect their captains in a relatively democratic way and the captain, you know, it would be decided he would get a better share, but he might get twice the share, right? Yeah, of the and the quartermaster as well. The quartermaster was a big share as well. He, but know? because he, outside of battle, the captain commands in battle, obviously, but the quartermaster has a lot to say as yeah. well. So forget yeah. about first mates. He obviously runs the ship to an extent. Um, so yeah, the, the captain might get twice the amount a normal person would get, but they would still get equal to everyone else. And mm. like, it, it wasn't like, they get ninety nine percent. You get one percent. Yeah, yeah. No, know? and and it's, uh, what you're saying is it's not like a CEO. Yeah, and, and it's, uh, not like it's, yeah, not it's not like now. It's not as bad as now. It's not like now. Yeah, uh, like they had, <laughs> uh, they had. I suppose a little bit on it. Like uh, there was it, it, this originated because people often think this is bullshit. This pirate code and like there wasn't one as we said. It's like uniform the, code. Yeah. It's like the samurai thing when we were talking about like bushido. bushido it's yeah. become an, a construction after the fact to kind of figure and chivalry there's mm. i mean chivalry maybe has more of like one thing but it's not like one thing but go on michael sorry yeah no uh it's it, it, chivalry is definitely one of those things but this originated with a, a portuguese um corsair or privateer called bartolomeu um portuguese and and he was sort of running riot in the caribbean um <laughs> in the early uh in the 1600s and he, I, he kind of established this idea that there would be um a vote for every everyone on on the ship would have a vote you could impeach your captain uh fa- famously um hornigold one of the uh major uh pirate captains of the uh for a pirate. yeah we Republic, were we were admiring Republic his name of pirates. Before this, yeah. uh he he was impeached by a ship um so and you could vote on where your next target was for example you know mm. so compared to life on a royal navy ship 
they had a lot more freedom. And like you said, it accepted f- uh, former indentured servants or slaves or convicts um, and allowed them to come in. Um, this sounds great. It, it, too bad well, they did so much murder as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Too bad the massive downside. It, interestingly, like like you said, it was kind of house rules. Um, like it was a lot of it was like where you could drink and when yeah. and yeah. not to be too messy and stuff like that. So it was practical, but also punishments like uh, you could be if you did something wrong. There was execution, obviously. Uh, there could be a duel arranged between nice. pirates. Or they could just maroon you, which we see in the movie Captain Jack yeah, Sparrow just, is just actually, yeah, actually just marooned. Um, so there is a little bit of truth to it, I suppose. Um, but it did vary considerably from um, from ship to ship. And this thing, you might see it in the Pirates of the Caribbean the, in the film. Elizabeth Swan asks for the, uh, the right of parley yeah. to speak to the captain, for so, example. So was that, that was real? It did apparently exist on a couple of ships, okay. but it wasn't a general thing okay. at all. Oh, it yeah. wasn't a widely recognized yeah, thing. Yeah. Like, and as they actually say, I think in the movie, uh, the pirate cut Barbosa says the code uh, it's only guidelines uh, <laughs> which is an excellent like there are a lot of good lines oh, like there you're is. saying yeah. uh, you are without a doubt the worst pirate I've ever heard of but you have heard of me yeah. <laughs> yeah. and he uh, and he says it's guidelines but uh, as well as that he says it's guidelines and anyway you have to be a pirate for yeah. to apply, for you, apply to you but yeah there was some sort of I suppose pirate code there a house rules just to keep uh, you know it's a really tight uh, you know, cramped conditions on a ship. Yeah, if you're going to be living with a hundred other pirates. Some ships, like some pirate ships, a small sloop would have 20, but others could have a hundred or 150, like Blackbeard, you know, and you're trying to manage all these people yeah, yeah. who are always drunk. I'm not being bad. A lot of them are always drunk, but just because a lot of the water would spoil, you wouldn't be close you to fresh water. You can't drink water, yeah. So people would be given their rations drinking of rum. Drinking rum, yeah. This type of yeah. thing. Um, so yeah, definitely a pirate code was needed I would yeah. say definitely, yeah. But yeah, and so they're develop. There's like rules developing for this behavior. There's enough of them that that's happening. Like we're <laughs> this is golden age of piracy. We're getting into here, like the the actual uh, creme de la creme of pirate times. Yeah. And you, so they're developing almost like a subcultural or a way of thinking that's very pirate esque. That's separate from and and it's attractive to to other people. Yeah. It gets people to join. Sort up. of yeah. Subcultural is a good way of putting it. It's like the, the hippie. Adventure mm. split bit of murder in there, <laughs> yeah, which is basically Johnny Depp's character. Yeah, and just to finish up on the pull uh, factors, I suppose that led to this golden age of piracy as well is speaking very largely what Mark was speaking about the privateers earlier. During times of war, every sailor had a job because his government would hire him to be a pirate, but a legal one, a privateer or a corsair or buccaneer or whatever you want to call it. But, for example, in, um, in 1713, at the end of the Spanish War of Succession, um, where hostilities suddenly ceased in the Caribbean between the French, the Spanish, the Dutch, and the English, who had been tearing lumps out of each other for the last 10 years, all of a sudden you had massive unemployment. Yeah, because um, all these people were... were trained at doing yeah. violence at sea and had nowhere to ply that trade and they were all in their 20s or 30s highly skilled at what they actually did but now like the royal navy just said we don't need you anymore there wasn't any dole or any social welfare system so <laughs> like suddenly you were left with the choice what do i do do i go back to to my home country or do i 
keep being a privateer but unofficially you know and this is where we're getting back to the lines being blurred between this thing so for example a lot of them would just say oh i didn't know the war was over so yeah the news didn't get to me genius exactly so they would just keep doing it and destroyed havana but i didn't know guys i didn't know (laughs) no one told me and for example like most a lot of the most famous um pirates from the golden age of piracy from so the likes of bellamy and hornigold and henry jellings and um even uh, edward teach or blackbeard all of these people were they were privateers or henry avery they were all officially legal gu- or hired guns at some point and at then they point. a lot of them would have transitioned then as it were exactly uh but uh, it's funny how all of this tended to happen when that war happened like that ended when, when the war ended so yeah. like i think unemployment was a big factor you know desperation yeah. what else am i going to do you know and it was definitely a major factor in the development of the republic of pirates which yeah which i want to ask about because you did mention we're talking about the the rules the culture the amount of people who suddenly are applying this trade they created communities right yeah, this is 100% it, you know, and this kind of uh, started out, like we have to kind of work out how this golden age of piracy came about. And it kind of, I suppose it was at its height during the pir- the, um, the Republic, Republic of, of Pirates. What is the Republic of Pirates? What does that mean? Ah, well, it's the area around New Providence and Nassau uh, in the Bahamas. Mm-hmm. But we do have to go back a little bit beforehand right. just to give a little um, bit of context to we'll how you. it all came about, you know. Um, so, yeah, getting back to, as Jacob mentioned earlier, the golden age of piracy, various people row over when this yeah, actually started. Yeah. But you're looking 1680 to 1725, uh, roughly. Yeah, I think I said 1650 before, but as you said, it could vary depending on... It really depends on who like you're there were pirates or what around. you're talking, <laughs> yeah, yeah. talking about. <laughs> and as we've seen, uh, essentially, like the Caribbean is like a, a soup of colonial powers, yeah, it's all just, it's just fighting mess. and all this type of thing. And... All of those push and pull factors we just spoke of, they all existed in this one area, mm. you know, all at the same time. Um, so starting a little bit earlier in the 1630s, you had French and English, what were called buccaneers, and they established a pirate base on Tortuga, where they would raid all these Spanish ships. I'm, I'm so sorry to interrupt in the flow, but I have to ask, like, buccaneers, what does that mean? Why is that different again than pirates? Is it just another word? It's or? just another word. Okay. It, it comes from the type of grill. It's a fr- <laughs> it comes from the French word for a type of grill used to um, cook meat that they put on right. the so ships. They were the barbecue pirates, the buccaneers. Originally, kind of, they were hunters in they Haiti. Sound pretty cool to me. Yeah, mm. hunters in Haiti. And then they established this base on Tortuga, the French and the English, uh, to raid the Spanish during all these wars. Mm. Um, and later, when Jamaica was conquered by the English in 1655, this is when, you know, you had Port Royal being established. And basically, the French and the English invited in all these buccaneers that already existed to take over this town, you know. And that's why it became known as the wickedest city uh, in the world. Um, but Great. Skipping forward a bit, a bit, so there basically there was already a a there was already like a 
an established people had uh, piracy had been taking place there a long time before the the golden age but as we said the war of the end of spanish succession that's when it really really kicked off and that was around 1713 but at the same time a mass there was a in 1715 there was a spanish treasure flotilla that just sank off the coast of florida Mm -hmm. so you had everyone in the western world or who could get their hands on a newspaper being told there's literally tons of treasure in shallow water and it would be tons it would would be tons yeah literal literally tons so you had the spanish sending divers and buccaneers and their own people to try and get all dig up all this uh, money and jewels and everything out of the sea Uh, but also there was a big rush for all the english and the dutch and the french everyone descending on this one little area you know and this is really what all those push and pull factors, but then this particular thing, this massive treasure, like uh, a treasure hunt, like this treasure is, hunt. I don't think there's as many records of actual buried treasure and treasure maps necessarily as we see in popular culture. But this is genuinely like there is a massive, massive gold in this area. Like it's going to entice some people. Absolutely, and this is all come and and basically you had all of these pirates we spoke of earlier, like Blackbeard and. Uh, Anne Bonny and all these kind of people, Mary Reed, all these, they they had looked at an earlier pirate who was called Henry Avery, who had like made off with in today's money a hundred and twenty odd million worth mm. of money. Sounds good from a, from robbing a, a ship, um, a treasure ship of um, an Indian um, emperor, a Mughal emperor. So you had these people inspired by all these stories, and suddenly you had this small area called new providence nassau in the bahamas and in this area had no government mm. anymore do you mind if i ask what round about what year is this again when when they're congregating here or whatever yeah so it's it, you could roughly so basically the what happened was this town nassau beautiful place you can visit the bahamas today if anyone's into it um it it, it was it was it was originally a english colony and during these wars we spoke of, of the Spanish succession, the, uh, the Spanish basically attacked and bombed it. Mm. Um, so there was very few locals left, and that was in 1703, 1706, they came back again. So there was nobody actually controlling this colony anymore. Um, and it had perfect little ports where you could hide your ship, and there was no central authority. So they all conjugated around here, and this led to what's called this Pirate Republic, and it lasted for about 10 years, so about from 1706 to 1718, give or take Yeah, so smack in the middle of this golden age. Exactly. Or towards the end, I suppose. And speaking, so when we spoke of the cracks in these empires, this is one of them, and all of these famous this attracted people from all over the caribbean so you had bellamy hornigal jennings blackbeard all of the major characters you associate with this time were joined by a mix of escaped slaves privateers jacobites escaping war and um persecution in england and ireland and they and they all just um accumulated in this area and set up shop and it became a hotbed of piracy you could you knew you could return there you'd be safe uh well 
I don't know, I'd say it was a fairly dangerous place all the <laughs> yeah. same. You know, it was famous for obviously its brothels and, Safe and in, its pubs. In, like in inverted, inverted commas. Like. But there was literally no law there for that 10 years. And that created this, um, perf- the perfect conditions for all of these pirates to go out along the coast, which was very lightly guarded by these navies because they couldn't. They didn't have the resources mm. to actually police them. Uh, so they had free reign from, you know, Bur- Bermuda up to Nova Scotia and down to the West Indies to do whatever they wanted for those 10 years. And they might occasionally come across a Navy ship, but the vast majority of time they could do whatever they wanted. Yeah. And it's almost surprising that they have Tortuga in the film instead of this location, mm. because... They they kind of make Tortuga out to be what you're describing, yes, right? Which, I would say so, definitely. Yeah. When I saw Tortuga in the film, I was like, oh, this is supposed to be the Republic of yeah. Pirates, essentially, you know? So it, Michael, that's extremely cool. Yeah. <laughs> that's my comment on yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, come on. This is the type of st- thing where you look into it, like, separate the real history from the real history, and you're like, oh, wait, they actually, like, had a pirate capital that was just run like who ra- like who decided things the on main this captains ran it like yeah. there was there, there was rivals so there was a famous guy so a council of pirate captains almost uh, like, I how cool is I wouldn't this? go that far okay, maybe okay. because there was like there, famously there was <laughs> ho- ho- there was two version. camps like together they all called themselves the flying gang and there was there was two, <laughs> there was two main camps. You had a guy called Horny Gold, uh, which I'd love to do a Patreon episode on sometimes mm. if you like. And his protege was Blackbeard. Well, um, oh. I mean, we have. We're granted we're at like an hour now, but yeah. we do want to go into maybe a couple of these characters. Do you want to talk about Horny Gold for a second? Just yeah, like he would have been a privateer. Yeah, uh, yeah just oh, yeah, like so. just like um, Blackbeard would have been an, as well. An, an Englishman, I assume. Yes, I believe so, yeah. And they they, they would have, well, I suppose very briefly I'll go into him. Like he, <laughs> he taught Blackbeard everything he knew. He would have been in control of the main ship uh, in their fleet, in their pirate fleet. Mm-hmm. And then Blackbeard would have been kind of the second in command from, for uh, initially at least, you know. Um, but there was also a rival pirate gang led by Jennings and um calico jack who we spoke yes. of earlier and he calico would have jack calico jack yeah and he, i remember him from sid meyer's pirates <laughs> exactly yeah and he he i suppose they were two they they were the rival camps and uh, calico jack would have had the likes of Anne, um bonnie, bonnie with him yeah. and, and that type of thing and they were vying for supremacy but at the same time they all knew they were onto a good thing and there was no point upsetting yeah, yeah, you know, yeah let's not spend too much time fighting each other. Yeah. So, and there was plenty of space for them to kind of um, stay out of each other's way, mm. you know, so they would go off in different directions or that type of thing. When this pirate haven, or, or whatever you want to call it, um, finally came to an end, Hornigal actually betrayed, uh, he, he betrayed all his... Mm. He, he was too horny for the gold. <laughs> <laughs> Well, what happened was in 1718, uh, George I of England was like, okay, these this pirates... Is, this is like the end, like, yeah. not the end, but like, we're going to talk about the decline, we're, get into yeah, that before we exactly, wrap up. And yeah. 1718, as we said, it goes up until 1720, what we think of as, uh, you know, the golden yeah, age. Yeah, so, so. The, the war of Spanish succession that we mentioned earlier, that, that ends around, I think, 1715, I think? 1713, so the, I think. 1713, yeah, okay. Yeah. So this is a few years after that. 
So mm. piracy is starting to decline then at this point. Yeah, well, like it, what happens was it, it became such a big problem, you know, like at mm. one stage, they reckon in at the height of it, there was about between 1,800 or uh, 2,500 pirate ships in that area. And the Royal Navy, for example, globally had about 13,000 uh, uh, sailors. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, or excuse me, not pirate ships, pirates, I should have said. That makes more sense. Yeah, yeah, Sounded yeah. very impressive, though. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, they, so these people, so they were, but they had no, even though the British Army had obviously bigger, uh, the, the, the Royal Navy had larger numbers, there was no way they could compete uh, with the pirates in terms of the pirates could go wherever they wanted. Yeah, yeah. They could never find them. It's a cat and mouse game, as you could expect. But eventually, anyway, um, there was a George I decided we got to clean this up. And the easiest way to do it was to give a general amnesty. So anyone who decided to um, surrender to the new governor of the Bahamas, which George I sent over in 1718, um, a guy called Woods Rogers, um, anyone who would surrender to him would be given uh, clemency and would be allowed off scot-free. And this horny gold guy said, thought that was a pretty good job, a yeah. pretty good deal, because he'd had 10 years of, you know, so he's becoming rich. a millionaire. He's, he's rich. So yeah. he just decided to say, yeah, let's do it. Uh, but he did betray all his other um, pirate brethren, I suppose you'd put it down as. Um, and then he became a pirate hunter. And he wow. started to hunt them all down as well. So, you know, the code of the pirates, you know, there was a lot of treachery there too, uh, mm. if you know what I mean. Famously, Blackbeard took the pardon, uh, said, thank you very much, and then this just, is went, back, yeah, just went back. Yeah, thanks very much. Work. Lovely stuff. <laughs> Continued on in his pirate career for with another a with, a, with a clean record basically. for another for another while until his uh his his glorious death in battle in in 1718. Oh, yeah, I think we have to do an episode on him, yes. like a proper episode. Maybe our flag means death or something, because that gives us a good excuse to talk in detail about him. Yeah, and, and I suppose that this all this it, it kind of the defeat of the um, pirate republic mirrors the decline itself yes, of yeah. this golden age of piracy. So, at the conditions just be- started to change. You know, the war, um, the obviously the the the, the eventually the colonial powers decided to re-establish control and mm-hmm. they put more resources into it a mixture of these things like cl- giving clemency pardoning the pirates that was a big factor but also oh, the deaths of all these major characters so we mentioned blackbeard died in 1718 gloriously in battle of um uh, off the americas uh, calico jack in 1720, he was captured uh, with Anne Bonny and Mary Reed, the, the famous female uh, pirates at the time. And he was executed and hung up in one of those bird cages you see in the films yeah. as well, you know. So that was real as well. They were- oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That was to show you. Uh, a couple of years later, 1722, you've got famous Black Bart Roberts, him of the Merry Life I mentioned earlier. And he was the most successful pirate of the time like he captured 400 ships in three wow, years yeah. um and he, he also it. died in 400 battle ships. yeah they called them prizes at the time you know wow. yeah um so all of this was contributing there these the, the royal pardon also war started again so all of a sudden 
uh, all oh, these navies Europe. wanted privateers yeah. again. So yeah, because I was a little confused, but because the end of the war of Spanish succession, it kind of led to all these people being unemployed and more piracy. But of course, it also led to more political stability, less fighting between course, yeah. these forces in the immediate vicinity of the Caribbean. So a bit more. Yeah, ability to hunt down these pirates because you're not being hunted by the Spanish or whatever. Yeah, another thing that would happen as a result of the Spanish War of Succession, but just wars generally in in uh, as led by European powers at this time, they're, they're sort of global wars. These things because they're, like they're, they're sort of like world wars. Because oh yeah, the, yeah they Spanish are. Succession takes place in you know there's battles in Asia, there's battles in Europe, there's battles in in the Americas and stuff. But what often happens is there's land exchanges. And so suddenly, a port that a that a, a pirate who was favoured by you know one side, suddenly that port that he would normally go to is now owned by the guys who he was attacking. Yeah. Like you know what I mean? So it, it, things became very dangerous. They for them just the, trade the trade yeah. islands. Between trade islands. Them. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, even I mean, I think in the Spanish War, I think Sicily changes hands. The entire island of Sicily, pretty sure, changes Always. hands. <laughs> like just oh yeah, that that belongs to Spain now. You know. <laughs> Or Savoy, I think. I think that's when it becomes Italian. I think, actually, as in, like in under the, uh, under an Italian government, the kingdom or whatever. I think it, the kingdom of Savoy gets Sicily out of, out of that war. Just that, I could be wrong there. That's off the top of the head. So. Yeah. but yeah, you know, you're, you're entirely right. These are great power wars. So you know, they had major global effects. Mm. Um, none of this was happening in isolation, essentially. Yeah. Um, so this, all of this, I suppose, led to. When we said earlier there was about 2,400 pirates uh, in, in around 1760, or in, the, in, the, in 1716, 10 years later, 1726, there was only uh, about 200 left. Um, so you're going from... The real the, diehards. Like. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're going from the days of like basically the likes of the little port of Nassau so being flooded yeah. with over 1,000 pirates over the course of a few months to... It really becoming once again uh, outlaws. Outlaws again. The vast majority of pirates went legit again, and a lot of them. You know, that's the th- the thing we hear about a lot of violent deaths. One thing I do want to say before we end up is, vast majority of pirates in the Caribbean, two to three years. That was it. Yeah. Now I know out east they tended to out in in Asia the Asian pirates, and that's it's a thing. career. It's a career that could last for ten, twenty years, but. In the Caribbean, you were lucky to get 15 months. To before you years. died or before you retired? Uh, either killed or executed. Yeah, the vast we, majority of them. Yeah. Very few. Wait, did you say either killed or executed? <laughs> Those uh, are yeah. the two options. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Not so many successful retirees. There was a few. There was mm. a few. But the vast, like, there was a guy called Bellamy, very famous pirate who was part of the uh, Republic of Pirates. He lasted like 15 months. Now, in that time, he made literally millions. Yeah. But you know, he was dead. So, yeah, that's one thing. It is very true what Black Bart Roberts said. It was a merry life and a short one for the vast majority of them. Yeah. Some people did get to retire. Some people were accepted back in um, and pardoned and went on to, uh, you know, enjoy their ill-gotten gains, really. But, you know, it was, you wouldn't take that decision lightly, I think, to join a pirate ship. Look at it that way. Yeah, and like the that all ties into the romanticizing of the, you know, of the role of the job that goes on to this day. Like now, it's a more cartoonish. We've had a lot of stuff on it, but it is 
the pirates of the Caribbean were romanticized during their own time. There were like, yeah, the newspapers, like obviously like they are fascinating stories told of them like about Blackbeard and him setting his beard on fire and all these different Putting things. Putting hemp into his beard and lighting it yeah. fuses to scare the living daylights out of people. Like, brilliant stuff. Yeah, and yeah. some of that would have been true. And regardless of whether it was true, it inspired people even back then. Uh, I mean, such as Steed Bonnet, but we won't get into him. That's for another episode. Oh, but like, like you said, like within a couple of years, these people became... Uh, like heroes to a certain extent yeah you know um, cultural like figures like yeah not folk heroes right exactly like like when Anne Bonny for example and Mary Reed and um, Jack Jack Rackham Calico Jack when they had a very public trial it was followed in Europe yeah yeah yeah. there was details about their life revealed and like you can imagine it being the topic of discussion you know what I mean like when people are having a drink or like you know whatever it might be yeah and and incredible like and even so far that uh lost my train of thought after no worries yeah I'll, I'll I'll make a little tweak um but yeah, like there's there's so much more to say about uh, pirates, which is why you can go to our Patreon where we'll talk more about pirates. Uh, Patreon.com slash Real History Podcast, uh, where we want to get into some of the myths. Were they true or not? We want to get into some, maybe some uh, pirate women definitely. as well. Like, yep. honestly, we're going to turn the microphones off, uh, on, turn, uh, make some grog and see how how far we can go, basically. Um, I've got a recipe for grog, listeners. Yeah. Yeah, it's very... We're gonna, it's, we'll see how messy this night's going to get. Yeah, yeah, so get over to the Patreon for that. But <laughs> while we're still here, before we get into sources, uh, other things we want to fit into this uh, big we try to cover a big topic right so yeah. but any one things that s- stick us out to you that you want to pack in there no i think we've uh covered a lot i think you know yeah i think Grand. no i think we're kind of finishing up you know take what you will and give nothing back i suppose was the the quote to end it all, you that, know? That's a great one. So as far as sources, uh, what have you been reading, Michael? Because you've done most of the reading. I actually have one here. I'll tell you now. I've been perusing The Book of Pirates, which again is sort of a children's book, um, but it's actually surprisingly detailed in its schematics of uh, various weapons and ships. I think a child let loose with this could do some serious damage, if not on the Caribbean, at least. Well, I actually regret that I put so much effort into all these books when I could have just picked up that. No, I'm glad. <laughs> we would have just been as useful. This is just for, for color. Like, yeah. I, I don't have a vast knowledge of this topic, but it's so. I, it's such an area of interest for me that I've just absorbed things over time. So I've read some stuff online, etc. But what were the actual books that you went out, bought, and read, Michael? Yeah, well, just first, <laughs> if, if people are into the primary sources, um, and we were just speaking about the trials, for example, mm. and that these people became almost folk heroes in their lifetime, even though some of them had already died. Um, but like in 1724, so that's really not that long yeah, after all right this finished after. up. Yeah. Um, a general history of the robberies and murders <laughs> of the most notorious pirates with a Y uh, <laughs> came out. It was right. um, Captain Charles Johnson, who, but we think that's a pen name. We think it's actually uh, Daniel Defoe, the same writer really? of Robinson Crusoe. Wow. Who wrote it. And that details all, you know, uh, 
everything we just spoke of really uh you know jack uh calico jack uh you know um and and bonnie and bellamy and all these gangs so it came out so this made these people heroes uh once it reached europe you know uh the buccaneers of america was an earlier one by a frenchman called alexander o excamalan i think and um i suppose he that would if you're interested in learning about the origins of buccaneering and all that type of thing mm. prior to the golden age that'd be a good primary source the reason i mention these is because they're all out of copyright so you pick them up for like a euro week oh yeah anyway um then the actual books i read about this um would was pirates a new history from vikings to somali raiders because surprise surprise uh piracy is still going on all over the world. Yeah, but that, that one you said is very general, right? Or it kind of talks about themes. It's not very... Yeah, it kind of covers uh, all everything piracy, to do with piracy, the history of piracy, yeah. uh, and it's by Peter Lair, but it is really, really good. It does cover the Golden Age sparsely, but also goes up to modern-day piracy off Nigeria, um, the S- Somalia, all these areas as well. So really, really good. And then um, The Republic of Pirates by Colin uh, Woodard, which really really would recommend that one because that goes into all the details about what jacob said this really really cool all the stuff that makes jacob smile yes yeah Yeah. i might pick that one up actually and i didn't get to go into irish piracy this time i'd like to go into that another time because we were really good at um (laughs) but there is a book if anyone's interested uh by des eskin ireland's pirate trail and how a lot of piracy in ireland in irish waters around the time of queen elizabeth and all that um, later went on to inspire piracy in the Caribbean and stuff like that. So yeah, definitely well worth uh, getting any of them. Excellent stuff. Well, we've, as I said, it's a it's a big topic. That's why we're going to talk more at you on patreon.com slash real history podcast. But beyond that, you can also go to shows what you know dot com where you find a bunch of other shows on our network, uh, as we've decided to call it, um, where we discuss television shows, etc. Um, with my colleague, Jim, who is a bit of a pirate himself, um, as well as all of our previous seasons and so on. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter, probably when this season comes out. Probably Twitter still exists, we think. Uh, Twitter.com. Or Elon. Twitter.com. It's at uh, real underscore history on, on Twitter. Um, anything else? Just this recipe if uh, from the British Navy. If anyone wants to make a traditional British uh, Navy grog, it's one part sour, two parts sweet, three parts strong, and four parts weak. So that basically means lime, rum, brown sugar, and water. And that's what we're going to go for now. And really bad eggs. Thanks, everybody, for now. (laughs) That's the end of The Real. Cheers. Bye.